right, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stick a Fork in It. I'm the engineer for the show. My name is Ev Malcolm, and I'm here with our two hosts, Matt Spence and Shannon Hannon Olivero. And today on the show, we have our guest, Marie Chanisi Everett, who is the Chief Marketing Officer for DTCC on a global scale. And she's the regional manager for our offices here in Tampa. How are you doing today, Marie? I'm great. Great to see you. Likewise, likewise. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It's so good to see you, Marie. The last time I saw you was at our Hillsborough Mega Pantry, one of our largest that serves over 3,000. Um, you are there with your team from DTCC. You guys have these amazing uniforms, your T-shirts that say DTCC on the back, which looks much like a SWAT team with your hats and you're out there shoulder to shoulder with us. Um, often, I don't know when I've been out there that I haven't seen someone from DTCC. So we're so grateful to have you by our side during COVID, but I know you've been there with us for a very long time, for as long as I've been at Feeding Tampa Bay. So welcome to the show and uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Shannon. And I'll tell you, it's an honor to be here, but um, we're so proud of the work that we've been doing out at the Mega Pantries and it's a real privilege to be able to work alongside your team. So Marie, the mega pantries are really a new part of our world here at Feeding Tampa Bay. You know, just in the last several months as we respond to everything's happening with the pandemic, I would love to see from your perspective what it feels like to be out there and serve folks and, and what your experience has been of being there to date. Sure. Um, it's hot. I will tell you that. Um, but I think that's something you already know. Um, we've been coming out um, every Saturday since you started the mega pantries and um, you know, we've had um, a host of team members there every week and now serving one or both um, shifts on a Saturday. Um, honestly, it has been a great experience being able to engage with the community and talk with them and you know, work alongside the team and really see where the rubber meets the road in terms of how we serve the community and just understand better some of the evolving and the emerging needs, especially during this time um, of the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, it's been eye opening to see how many folks have come to depend on us, and we could not make it happen without your awesome team out there. So that brings us to I think the pressing question of the moment, which is, what is DTCC exactly? Tell us a little bit about the organization. Sure. So DTCC or the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation is a financial market infrastructure. So basically, we are owned and governed by the financial services industry, and our clients also sit on our board. We basically provide all of the um, U.S. financial markets with post-trade processing and cover all of the operations ranging from initial client onboarding through trading um, and clearance and settlement of securities transactions. Um, globally, we provide additional services like trade matching and trade reporting, um, as well as data analytics and asset servicing. So it's a pretty comprehensive suite of services. Um, we have about 6,500 employees globally, 1,400 of which are based here in Tampa Bay. And just to give you a little bit of an order of magnitude, um, last year we processed um, in excess of two quadrillion dollars in securities transactions which amounts to about $100 million, hundred million individual transactions on a daily basis. So it's a pretty significant 
scope when you think about um, the number of team members we have globally. Yeah, I would say that's pretty significant. Those are uh, big numbers. I wasn't even sure what was after trillion, so <laughs> I know. Uh, and There's 15 zeros in case you're wondering. Wow. Something I've never had to worry about before, for sure. <laughs> Outside of a math problem. That's right. <laughs> when you start getting those little numbers up at the top. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would assume given that you're uh, kind of structurally critical for the financial system, that things have been really challenging for you during the pandemic. I'm wondering, you know, what kind of changes you've had to make or how you've adjusted to the, all that has gone on in the last several months. Yeah, I mean, obviously like many firms and, um, you know, many small businesses, you know, we had to deal with the challenges of going all remote very, very quickly um, back in March. And happily, you know, that has been a seamless process and you know, we've been able to keep the financial markets up and running. Over the, you know, short term following our move to all remote, the markets were very volatile. Um, financial services companies were facing increased margin calls. So there was a lot of uncertainty and volatility in the markets that we were dealing with. And obviously our primary concern was the safety and well-being of our employees, which really drove the move to work um, fully remote. So that's actually been um, very good for us. In fact, we just announced that we're gonna be working remote all the way through um, at least the early part of 2021. Um, some of the things that we really had to be um, strategic about is, you know, how do we continue to engage with and serve our clients when we're not able to meet with them face to face? So we've been, you know, using a lot more uh, technology meetings like this one that we're doing on Zoom um, and you know, using it as an opportunity to try to bring a little bit more into personal connection um, with our client engagement. Um, we're also using this as an opportunity to accelerate uh, the advancement of bringing new technologies because we know that once we are able to re-enter our offices, the workplace is going to look very different than it does today. And certainly remote work will be an increased part of how we operate, how we deliver services to our clients. So we need to take this time to really be thoughtful about what the future operating model is going to look like, what kinds of new tools we're going to bring to bear, um, how we're going to collaborate. And I think one of the things that we're finding, um, particularly as we're engaging with our constituents globally um, using virtual technologies and digital technologies, is that we're finding um, it's actually more convenient for them to engage with us. Um, we have shorter meetings. We're not asking our clients to commute long distances. Um, and we're really able to um, give them thought leadership and content that is really timely for them versus when you're planning an in-person event or an in-person meeting and you have such a long lead time. You know, a lot of times you start with the date and you work backwards to the content that you're going to deliver. Now we're finding that we can be very um, timely and responsive and um, you know, be very uh, forward-thinking in how we're engaging. So. Um, just some of the changes that we're facing as a company and, and getting thoughtful. And I'm sure you know, many others are facing some of the same things. Yeah, I, I think that's what's so fascinating is that so often crisis and opportunity are two sides of the same coin. And it seems like you've been able to ease the opportunity. And I wonder if uh, you know, being a, a leader of a pretty large organization and all of the interpersonal challenges I'm sure you've had to deal with with 200 employees um, I, I'm really curious if there are lessons that you draw from that that might 
apply to you know our business or, or folks who might be listening to, to this podcast things that we might be able to take away and, and learn from this. yeah look you know I think it really starts with listening and you know being um, you know able to pause and really try to understand what the needs of your stakeholders are um, in the case of you know our organization it would be our employees and our clients in the case of feeding Tampa Bay, it would be the community. And you find that when you're faced with a crisis like this one, um, you know, things need to pivot very, very quickly and that what you were working on um, tends to not be the thing that you need to be paying attention to. So we've been spending a lot of time listening to our clients, working with them in groups, working with them one-on-one to help address some of the operational issues that they're facing. And, you know, similarly with our employees, you know, trying to understand some of the concerns that they have, um, bringing them tools so that they can be productive in a remote um, environment, and recognizing that, you know, we need to work asynchronously now because, you know, sometimes you have team members that are working, um, you know, two working parents, small children that they now have to, you know, teach at home, um, so you can't expect people to be in meetings all the time or working during set hours. So we really had to be very, we really have had to be very flexible in our approaches. And I think that's really the way of the future. And I do think that that translates much into the work that we're doing at Feeding Tampa Bay. I mean, the needs of the community have changed virtually overnight. Um, We've seen drastic um, new need, um, people that are, you know, looking for help that have never had to come um, and ask for help previously. So understanding, you know, what services may be available to them. So being able to provide education and awareness into the community and really just being able to provide um, just a kind heart and a, and a smile to people, you know, which is one of the reasons that I enjoy and my team enjoys coming out to the mega pantries every day because, you know, in addition to just, you know, writing a check and hoping financially, we're able to see firsthand, you know, how our contributions are helping people in the community and, just listening to people's stories and giving them an encouraging word or giving them information that they may not otherwise have. Um, that's been very, very meaningful. And I think you know, we'll see um, continued um, increases in you know, people's willingness and desire to get out into the community and volunteer. Yeah, it's, it really is amazing to see. It feels like your organizational culture uh, really fits in with ours, which speaks a lot to how you lead your team because you know, it is so important for us to treat everyone who comes in contact with us with dignity and respect and give them that uh, positive experience of their day. And your team does that naturally. Your team does that as part of who you are, which has been fantastic. But I don't want to get past something you mentioned, which is the writing a check. You guys are amazing partners to us financially, not just with your time and energy and muscles, you have contributed nearly $100,000 over the past year or two to this organization to really impact our work. So I would love to hear from you and how you and your team came to a position where you felt like investing in Feeding Tampa Bay was a wise investment for the community. And and you personally, even beyond that, all the time that you give to us with not only with your, your uh, volunteer time at a mega pantry, but far more importantly with your leadership on our board and your expertise and wisdom that you provide for organizational strategy. 
Sure. So, you know, we've always been involved with feeding Tampa Bay in, um, you know, big and small ways. And we formalized our relationship with you, as you know, back in 2018. And we made a commitment for four years um, for about $60,000, so $15,000 a year. And as you mentioned this year, you know, we've certainly exceeded that in one year alone. Um, and we felt that that was very important as we as an organization needed to pause a lot of work that we were doing, we had a great opportunity to reallocate and reinvest some funds back into the community where it was much needed. Um, but in addition to writing a check, obviously, you know, our team felt it was important to get out and contribute in ways that, you know, we may not have contributed um, previously. So a lot more volunteerism. And I think so far this year, we have about 560 hours of volunteer service um, just, you know, between January and the end of June, um, and we expect that that will, you know, continue. Um, so it's certainly not insignificant during a time where people are certainly looking after their own families and, you know, maybe a little bit hesitant to get out into the community. Um, we've also been very involved with your Fresh Source program, um, which is critically important because we believe that it's not only about, you know, providing meal and a helping hand, it's about solving um, the systemic food food insecurity across you know our community. So you know it begins with helping people, but it's also about providing education and helping people sort of end hunger by getting back out into the workforce and being productive. Um, so any way that we can help in that regard by providing financial literacy training or contributing to client service training. That's exactly what the Fresh Source program gets to the heart of. This podcast was made possible by the innovative thinking and the funding of Feeding America, a nationwide network of more than 200 food banks that feed more than 46 million people through food pantries, soup kitchens, shelters, and other community-based agencies. It's been really neat for, uh, for our team to be able to bank on your experience in Fresh Force because you have, like you said, you come in on Mondays and work with our team on customer service. You have a really extensive customer service operation. You provide training and financial literacy. Clearly from the introduction, that's an area of strength for your organization. You know, and, and it speaks to how Fresh Force is different. And I think that's what I've really appreciated your team's commitment and investment in because Fresh Force is not just a program that provides a set of hard skills. We absolutely do that. We provide certifications, we provide formal training in specific aspects of the job, but far more importantly, and this is what we heard from you and others as we were planning what Fresh Force would look like once we launched it, was providing that additional set of skills that makes you successful in the job beyond just your technical ability. And that's what's so critical about your contribution to our work that's why Fresh Force is different because we spend every Monday doing those skills, building them, practicing them, learning about them. And so now when our folks graduate, you've contributed to something that doesn't just get them even in terms of resume, it actually puts them in front. It gives them an additional skill set that will really jump off the page when someone's looking at a batch of resumes that are all relatively similar, 
And so we really appreciate your team's connection with that. I know they've really enjoyed the training that you provided around customer service and just that perspective on our work. And, and we can see it as the Fresh Force team integrates itself into what we do, that they know how to interact with folks when they come up to us. They know conflict resolution and they know, you know, all of the other things that you and your folks have brought to the table. So we really appreciate that. Um, and it's, it's the sign of a really fantastic board member that you're willing to commit not just your time and not just your treasure, but also your talent. Uh, and so, you know, with your position and your role in the community, I have no doubt that there are dozens of boards that would love to have you. I would love to hear what made you decide to join our board and, and what it is about our organization that kind of brought you to a place where you, you wanted to contribute in such a meaningful way. Well, a couple of things. This is something that is a passion of mine and I believe in my heart that if we can address the issues of food insecurity, that we can lift our community in many, many ways. Um, children will be able to concentrate in school. We'll be able to you know, help the economic growth um, of families, of businesses. Um, so I feel that I'm contributing to something that I'm very passionate about. I would also say that um, as a board member, um, I've come to see what differentiates even Tampa Bay from many other organizations i found the people um, on the board, as well as the leadership and the staff, all unilaterally and fully aligned around the common mission. Um, I find incredibly creative thinking. Um, I find forward-looking. I don't think fresh force would have ever come to fruition, and it's not necessarily something that you would see coming out of um, a traditional food bank. It's because of the creative thinking of the organization and the leaders in the organization that we were able to bring a program like this that not only helps to um, address but end food insecurity by creating skills and a workforce that um, you know goes back out and contributes. Thank you for that. You know, I think uh, a lot of folks don't have a really good handle on what exactly the role of a board member should be, and you do an, an amazing job of providing a great example of it. I think in a lot of ways it comes down to one word and that's capacity. You offer us a, a, an ability to grow our capacity, not just financially and not just uh, relationally, but also practically. Um, and so it's, it's been really great to get to know you as a board member and get to see your commitment to our work. Um, and there's one more thing that you've brought into our world which I think is worth a conversation. And I know Shannon is gonna jump in here and, and kick off the next part of our conversation by introducing the other thing that's happened as a, a part of the Everett family's um, connection to our world. So at Feeding Tampa Bay, I think Marie, that you've kind of um, led into, we. Um, casually are one great big family, whether it be our employees, whether it be our board, we are incredibly grateful for uh, who just great minds think alike. And uh, the, our next guest who what the food bank is gonna be a little bit different today happens to be someone very special to you. 
um, I think on most every day, is your husband, Tim Everett. Um, so Tim, welcome to Stick a Fork in Hunger, the What the Food Bank portion. Um, how you doing, friend? Doing great, good to see y'all. Welcome, welcome, great to see you. Um, we see Marie often, but we actually see you all the time. Um, and you are a great friend and ally to have out in the workforce and uh, in the warehouse, outside of the warehouse and everywhere. Um, but first we wanna get to know you guys a little bit as a couple um, and what your life is um, maybe away from us because we know that one thing that we all have in common is food, right? So what is your favorite meal around the table at home? Well, I, I, you know, I think Italian. Uh, Marie is 100% uh, Sicilian, so um, we, we eat a lot of Italian food. I'm not Italian, but I've learned to really love it. I've actually learned to cook it fairly well. Um, and now that I'm, I've been retired for uh, about four or five years, um, I get a lot more time to cook. So I do most of the cooking now, particularly with Marie working from home. So um, she'll get up in the morning and, you know, kind of say, hi, honey, I'm going, I'm going to work now and go upstairs to her office. And I come down here to the, to the kitchen and try to figure out what I'm going to make for dinner tonight. Marie, what is the best, his absolute best recipe that he's mastered during the pandemic? I hate to admit this, but he's actually learned how to make um, meatballs and Sunday gravy better than I do, which um, is incredible. Uh, so it's something that we enjoy doing together and it's something that he has mastered on his own. That is wonderful. Now, have you guys uh, ventured out to a restaurant yet or do you, everything is, you're still staying? At no, we, we've, we've, yeah, we pretty much stayed in the entire time. We have not gone out to a restaurant to eat um, since March. Wow. So back in March, what would be your favorite? I know you guys live near the water. Is it near the water? Or is it more on the Tampa side? Your go-to restaurant, once everything settles again, uh, where do you see yourself going? Well, I mean, I, I like good Chinese food. So, um, you know, we've got a couple favorites uh, in, in Tampa, actually. And the other one, obviously, is, is Italian. So, you know, we like a couple of uh, uh, good Italian restaurants. We have one here out in the beach in Indian Rocks, and there's one over in Tampa that we really enjoy as well. So what are the names of those? So you can let our Well, the Chinese, Chinese, I think our favorite is Yummy House. Um, and then um, over here is um, Villa Galachi. Mm -hmm. And uh, in Tampa is Donatello's. So, oh wow, a classic! You agree on all of those, Marie, or is there some, something else you want to throw in? Yeah, no, those are those are our, our kind of go tos. Um, but I will tell you that we really enjoyed, you know, eating at home and cooking together and having that meal together. So I uh, wonder when uh, things reopen, um, how much we will be eating out. Right. We've enjoyed that at home too. I think, uh, Matt, I don't know if you can agree, but the meal around the table at home is kind of, I think at my house, we've kind of, we had a lost that. And now we've kind of gained that back cooking together and having that meal around the table as a family um, has kind of rekindled in our home and we've enjoyed it as well. Um, yeah, then, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's something that's always been really important to me important to me as I was growing up. It was a connection point for my family. We would sit around the table every night, even if you know, in high school, it was at the point sometimes where 
we hit that table until nine o'clock and everybody had already eaten dinner, but we'd still make a point of getting together. Um, and so we've tried to keep that alive in, in our family. Now, with a dog and three very, very active boys, it might not look like a calm, you know, lovely uh, watercolor family sitting down together uh, to eat, but, you know, it, it has been really nice to have that reinforced. Well, I think, I think one of the things we've enjoyed during the uh, kind of the lockdown is we live in a, um, you know, townhome community over here in Indian Shores. And, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, everybody pretty much kept to themselves. Then we, we started out having, you know, cocktails on the porch and on the sidewalk along the water. And now we feel more comfortable with, you know, the people who are in our own bubble. So we, we have gotten together for, you know, some dinners, you know, try to social distance as much as, much as possible. But, you know, everyone is following, you know, all the protocols and we feel pretty comfortable with the people that we've been hanging with. Again, in small groups, but it's fun to have people over at least for dinner now and then. Yeah, that's interesting to see how that has played out for folks because, you know, I know in my neighborhood it started with everybody hiding. Right. It was everybody was walking their dog, buying dogs so they had a dog to walk. You know, any excuse to get out of the house, you know, and, and now it's kind of morphed into the same kind of thing where within a protective bubble, we find ways to get together. And it's been, uh, in some ways, we've got to know neighbors that we, I couldn't even tell you their name. I can tell you their dogs. <laughs> oh, here comes Bolt, you know, and give him a little pet and move on. I didn't know his owner's name was AJ. And that kind of thing, you know, and so it's been really fun to see that. But one thing I have to say is that even amongst all that, it's been really heartening to see Tim uh, come out to all sorts of different volunteer opportunities. It speaks a lot to what Feeding Tampa Bay is doing to protect those who are coming to help us. But I'd love to hear it from your perspective, you know, how you have been hands on here for so long. It must have been tough. You feel like you had to step away. How did you kind of re, re-engage with us? Well, you know, I worked in the warehouse uh, in, in the community market for a number of years after I retired and uh, helped out on a few of the, the, you know, kind of mega pantries after one of the hurricanes. And so kind of got the feel for that. And then when, when the coronavirus broke out and mega pantry started, um, it seemed like a natural fit. So, you know, I started, I started working on the one in, in Hillsboro and then I went down and worked, you know, worked the one in Manatee as well. So, you know, I helped organize one, you know, the original couple of the originals and that, you know, kind of plays into my, you know, I have a lot of organizational skills. So help put that together and help figure out how do we do it on the ground. Uh, and then you guys hired, you know, a tremendous guy by the name of Chris Brewer who is pretty much taking it over. And now, um, you know, he's got them all organized. So I help him out on, on the Hillsboro as well as the Vanity one as well. And we have a great working relationship and he's, you know, he's, he's a good guy. Um, you know, and it's just been the same with, uh, you know, Nicole Oswald, who's one of your other, you know, great employees. You know, we, we have a lot of fun, a lot of laughs at the pantries. We work hard and we, you know, we sweat hard, but uh, we also have a few laughs at, at it as well. Yeah. yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you saying that. And, and I know Chris and Nicole both deserve every uh, 
congratulatory plaudit that they get. They are fantastic team members. Um, and, and it's been a blessing for us to have them on, on team. But it really highlights the key role that a volunteer with significant skill sets can play. You know, it's, you're not just, I used to call in, in youth ministry, uh, weak mind, strong back work. It's much more than that. You know, right. you, you're engaging your mind and you're using the skills that you've built over a pretty extensive career to help us serve more, more efficiently, and give a better experience to us. And so it's been awesome to see that play out. Well, you know, it, one, one of the things that I miss probably most about the charity market, and hopefully, you know, when, once it really gets back up to full speed, is engaging with all the agencies that come in to, um, you know, get food from us. And, you know, you, you get to know them pretty well, you get to know everybody on a first-name basis. Um, you know what their needs are. You know what uh, portion of the community that they are serving. Um, so you can help them with the selection of food. And, um, you know, you, you know what days they come in so you can set some things aside for them if they're feeding a particular part of the community. So, um, you know, I miss that a lot. But I also, uh, what I like about the mega pantries is engaging directly with, uh, you know, the, the folks that we're giving the food out to. Um, you know, able to chat with them for a few minutes at the window every, every day. Um, so that's really been a lot of fun as well. Florida Blue's mission is to help people and communities achieve better health. In partnership with Feeding Tampa Bay, their collective goal is a hunger-free Tampa Bay by 2025. How will we do that? By ensuring that all our neighbors have access to fresh, nutritious food that is essential to a healthy and capable lifestyle. We invite you to join the movement. Visit hungerfree2025.com. So Tim, we're right now, we're in the process, we're seeking volunteers, we need people for our, to come out to our mega pantries and uh, stand with us. If you could give anyone, you know, tips and tricks, on how they can lean in with us, what would those be? Well, I, I think just, you know, the fact that you know that you're helping somebody in your own community, right? And these are people that probably have never been in a, in a uh, food line before, you know, right. so... And they're from all walks of life, all economic, uh, uh, you know, they have all, all different economic means. Um, and they just find themselves, you know, maybe six months ago they had a job and today they don't. Or, you know, they've been furloughed. So maybe they have some benefits, but they don't have enough money to put food on the table. So just the fact that you can get to see, you know, a, a, a wide diversity within in the community of people that are in real need because of this crisis. So it's, it's not typical, but, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's hard work, particularly now this time of the year, because it's, it's hot. Um, fortunately, we have tents. You know, we have a lot of volunteers that are handing out water to us all the time. There are, you know, a lot of breaks you get to take. If you, if you feel like you need to go, there's a, a, a you know, air-conditioned camper now on, on site, so you can go in and get some fresh air for a few minutes. Um, and it's, it's really enjoyable. I mean, it just is a, is a good time. You get to work with people you wouldn't normally work with. Um, it's fun watching the teams uh, get organized in the beginning because, you know, you'll have, you'll have a team of maybe six or eight people who are, you know, trying to get the cars loaded as fast as possible so we can get them through the line. And it takes a few minutes for everybody to kind of uh, get in a rhythm. You know, it's, it's like a, a NASCAR pit stop. So, you know, it's like, they come in quick. We got to get everything into the trunk, and then you know get get people moving so they're not waiting in line a long time. 
but you know, it's just fun watching everybody kind of uh, work together and how and how it all comes together. Such a great perspective on what our volunteer experience looks like because I think, you know, people come to a volunteer experience because they're seeking some sort of opportunity to serve, and yet if we can take advantage of that, provide something that fulfills that desire to serve, but shows you the meaning right there in front of your face and is entertaining and enjoyable and you feel at the end of the day like you made a difference that's really as good as it can get and so you know, eric and the rest of our team on the volunteer engagement side uh, i just i can't give them enough credit for how they've built our experience and, and i appreciate your ability to kind of lay that out for folks so uh if you don't mind we will probably steal all of what you just said and use that in our recruitment pitches moving forward. Yep. Especially the NASCAR pit stop. I love that one. Mm -hmm. It actually does describe it. Absolutely. When it gets rolling about 10 minutes in, it definitely looks like a pit not NASCAR pit stop zooming through. So I, I want to bring Marie back in on this one too. Both of you love to hear your answer to this. We call this podcast Stick a Fork in It. And for us, that means stick a fork in hunger, right? Stop it right in its trap. Do you can to, to get rid of, of hunger. Uh, I would love to hear if you guys have thoughts on things that you would love to be able to stick a fork in. And, uh, you know, if it's a particular group or a location or uh, something outside of our world of being Tampa Bay. I'm just curious, you know, if you had the magic wand to wave or the magic fork, I guess, what would you stick your fork in? Yeah, I would say um, there are two things. Obviously, the first thing, which is the obvious, is we need to stick a fork in the coronavirus and um, put an end to that. And there'll be a lot of downstream benefits as a result of it. Um, but I would also um, love to stick a fork in the issues that are dividing our communities nationwide so that we can all come together. Tim, how about you? Well, I, I agree with Marie. I think the other, the other thing, I, you know, is stick a fork in poverty in general. You know, if we can eliminate poverty, we'll eliminate a lot of the problems that we currently have in society. Um, you know, I think that's part of the root cause of it. I mean, if, if you look at a lot of what's going on in, in the country, it, it all it, it evolves around the, the fact that people cannot get out of poverty. You know, they're stuck in it generationally. And they've been in it for so many years and no, nobody's really willing to help them. You know, I mean, obviously Feeding Tampa Bay is willing to help, but, you know, from from our government on down, you know, you've got to help, we've got to help these people. There's no reason that in this country, people should be going hungry. You know, it makes no sense. So, and you know, I'm so glad that you said that, Tim, because we often say that it is not a supply issue, Correct. and it's not a demand issue. It is an organizational issue. It's all hunger in our community. Yep. There's enough food. There are enough ways to get to people. We just haven't done a good enough job as a community of making that happen, making those connections stick. And Marie, you're absolutely right. It's foundational. You know, we we talk a lot about um, you know the hierarchy of needs. Food is foundational to all sorts of other things, and it makes tomorrow possible. But you guys both bring up a point which I think is really important for us. It's not just about surviving. 
It's about moving to something better. It's about helping people thrive. And that goes far beyond on a plate for today. And that I think is reflected in the commitment he has made to supporting Fresh Forest, you know, Tim, to your experiences of being able to provide a, uh, you know, a smile and a good moment in a day for someone to tailor a response because you've gotten to know folks. I, I just, I love that uh, you guys both individually and as a couple really get it. You know, I, and I don't know any better way to put it, but you understand why we're here, what we're trying to do, and things that are bigger than today that you're impacting the world. So I really appreciate all the commitments that you guys have made to us, all the ways that you support our work. Um, we just, we're, we're so glad to have you as part of our well, thanks for all you guys do to make a difference in the community and you know you have a passion for it you do it every day and we're grateful for that Thank and you. same here um and you know i really do enjoy volunteering so i'll see you guys at the next pantry you got it thank you guys so much for joining us just stick a fork in it and uh we know that you are headed out for a few weeks of rest and relaxation enjoy that and we'll see you as soon as you get back and put you guys both back to work at Feeding Camp of A, we appreciate you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. you can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Feeding Tampa Bay.